So you were like born and raised in Illinois? Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, do you think, you know, I, I had this question for you and I'm sorry, we, I did start recording. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll give a, just a quick introduction. Sure. Hi, hi everybody. Uh, my name is Chris. This is Cheetash. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, uh, Julie Hammerly, author, USA Today, best-selling author. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you this question about writing and being located in different cities and does it matter like being in like a such a huge metropolis like chicago versus just like a smaller town that does it make a difference where you write from um yeah i think it's always going to inform you know your point of view uh wherever you're writing from i i'm trying to think a couple of my books are set in chicago only a couple of them though I have a YA series that's set in a small town in Minnesota, and I picked that because my sister-in-law, she grew up in Minneapolis, but her family um, has a farm out in, like, the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. So, I like, because of her stories, I sort of glommed onto that. Um, and then my parents live in, like, near me in Chicago, but they also have a house out in the country in Illinois. So I feel very, like, I can do both. And I really do have like a love for the small town stuff too. But then I also think that Chicago and specifically like I live in the neighborhood where I grew up and that also has a very small town feel to it because everybody knows everybody. You know, my kids go to the same school that I went to and I see people that I went to eighth grade with like every day, you know? So it, I think, you know, big cities are generally you know, just little small towns all kind of stacked together. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it does does make a difference, but I I think you just have to look at it, you know, on a person-to-person basis, regardless of where you're writing from or whatever you're writing about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And backtracking a little bit, uh, where did, where you went to Michigan State? Is that correct? No, I went to Butler in Indianapolis. Oh, Okay. My oh, sister-in-law wow. did, went to Michigan State, but um, yeah, my husband and I actually met at Butler. Um, okay. He, They had kind of an interesting, because so my, he grew up in Michigan uh, in eight, until eighth grade, then they moved to Dubai for high school. He was in high school in Dubai, and then in his senior year, he did in Florida, and so he was kind of like all over the place, ended up at Butler because he had family in Indianapolis. And then after um, his parents were done in Dubai, they moved back to Michigan. So now they've been there pretty much ever since like 2001. They went back to Dubai for a little bit too. But um, so we do spend a lot of time there. But uh, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't actually lived there since eighth grade. Wow. Okay. I I have to ask about (laughs) that. Uh, So you've you said you've been to Dubai. Yeah, twice. I twice. went when we were in college and they were there. And then when they moved back, like, I think it was 2015 or so, um, we took our kids there uh, to go wow. see that, to go to Dubai, which is pretty cool. What Are there huge differences between here and over there? Or are the, is it similar? You know, it's, um, there are a lot of similarities and it's, there's a very close American group and and European um, group of people that they kind of hang out with 
um, it, the difference in the whatever 15 years between when I first went there and when I went back, it's grown just immensely. The, the amount of buildings, the, the downtown area, it's, um, it's, you know, really, really grown there. And it doesn't feel that different than if you go to just like a big city in the United States too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other than the language barrier, you know, like, but there's, everything's in English too. So it's, it's really not that, that different, but yeah. So he grew up there or he lived there for high school. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How is it bigger or smaller than Chicago? Dubai? Yeah. Or, well, um, I'm not sure. And what's the, is Dubai the actual, like there's the city Dubai, but then it like there's the state or like the country of UAE? Is that how Yeah. It is? And then they have, so there's the different emirates there, like Abu Dhabi, Dubai, and the other ones that I don't know. So I, I'm not sure that, you know, they, I do know they have little like neighborhoods. I don't know if those are cities or if they're just, you know, different areas of of this larger city Dubai. I don't know how they kind of refer to it. Okay. No, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to Butler, uh, what did you what did you study at Butler? Uh, I started out as a voice major. I was studying music um, to begin with. And but I kind of fell into that. I, I don't think I really like, I wasn't as passionate about singing opera <laughs> as most of my friends were. So um, when push came to shove, I I decided to, to do something different and I went into secondary education um, and I was getting a Latin minor at the time. So I thought, oh, I'll teach Latin. So I ended up uh, graduating with a double major in education in Latin and a minor in music. And I taught Latin for like several years, six, seven years, I think, um, until I had my first kid then i stopped doing that where uh, where like is this like at a high school or college level i taught uh my first year i taught high school but after that i actually taught middle school and elementary i taught second graders through eighth graders for um for a couple of years four years i think whoa yeah yeah <laughs> I, I didn't even know that's like i never had i don't think like any of the schools i went offered latin um like from yeah. that that age group oh it's wow. a uh i don't know if you're familiar with the chicagoland area but um it's the north shore it's very you know elite upper <laughs> upper class and so that's actually where i did all my teaching was up uh in the north northern suburbs and there were like three or four suburbs where they were teaching latin from like second grade on which is pretty cool Whoa. I think I, I'm not sure if those if those programs even still exist because I actually left my job. They were phasing my job out at that time, so I don't know how many schools are still even doing that. Mm-hmm. Unf- unfortunately, because it's really cool that they um, that to have that opportunity. I know my my son who's a freshman, he's taking Greek, not Latin, unfortunately, but he regrets it because all his friends are taking Latin and they're like they love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the best language, yeah. so whatever. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who's a resident right now, a physician, and his undergrad degree from University of Michigan was in Latin, and he was saying how it helps actually in the medical field because a lot of medical terminology is sometimes derived from Latin. 
Yeah, um, Latin and Greek. I think you really do. Um, we get a lot of like the big words in our language from from those two languages. Yeah. That yeah, that's <laughs> something that I, I I never I never would have thought of. Like, do you still like do you still remember like a lot of things Latin related? Oh yeah, and um, and my daughter started doing Latin on Duolingo, so she was showing me that. I I do remember a lot of it, and I, the other thing it really helped with too is grammar. Because I feel like in my English classes, it, and English is such a, a weird language and the rules are not the rules, but Latin, it's very specific. So learning about things like prepositions, direct objects, indirect objects was like so much easier to think about from the perspective of a foreign language, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Now, did I, see, did I see this correctly on your website that at one point too, you also uh, were in real estate, and you were had, <laughs> you had your that real estate. was a really brief, really oh, okay. brief time. Yes. <laughs> what was and, was that challenging? Um, well, you know, the, the challenging part was I got my license right before the bubble burst. So, oh, yeah. and and I think I was doing some other things at the time too. So it, I just didn't have the time to like devote to it and I it was it was an interesting thing to study for a little bit but um, I'm also really bad at selling things <laughs> like I will tell you the truth about it and I like it was it was a really bad um, match for me I just had known people that did well making some money doing it I thought oh I can do this it was like no not, it was not for me yeah yeah I I, I thought those were super interesting um, I have you know, I can kind of relate in that what I do now is nothing close to, like, I've had many different jobs in my life. And it's funny, I was, I was telling my girlfriend about this, like, oh, I, I used to do that. And then she's like, wait, like, what? Like, when? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I've, I was trying, I try to tell people, I feel like it, I learned a little something from all these former positions I had and I used to be in sales too mm -hmm. and I feel like I take little bits and pieces from them and then I use it in my current job which is uh software development mm -hmm. um do you feel like that with with your career in writing like you take you're taking things from you know past experiences and then incorporate them like in your stories oh absolutely like I do know a lot of people that did you know, were English majors and, and then went into writing and stuff. And it doesn't really give you the breadth of experience. You know, I, I hate doing research on things too. So I like to take stuff from my own life or people that I know so I can incorporate their careers or that, you know, so anything that I've done in the past, I have, I think I've probably incorporated it somewhere in there, you know, um, not real estate yet. I've <laughs> That one haven't, I haven't touched, but like I, I do have a one. One of my main characters was a an educator, you know. So, I I try to do I draw from like all the stuff that I've done in the past. Yeah, it gives you a little more perspective, I think, to just get out there and try some different things. Oh yeah, yeah. It, and when did, like, how did the writing start? Like with your, like going into like the first book that you wrote. Like, what was that like? Um, so I had, I've always been a writer. I've always written. 
um, like I said, I was a singer, so I kind of was mostly doing that, but still like writing a little bit on the side. And um, my senior year of college, I had to f- um, take a couple extra credits to fill out my schedule so I could still be a full-time student. So I took um, screenwriting and creative writing. And it was like the best semester. I had <laughs> the best time writing. Um, I, one of my professors, you know, even said like, you, you should be pursuing this. And um, meanwhile, I was going to be a Latin teacher. So whatever. I, I kind of took that to heart though. And I, I did a, you know, I wrote a little screenplay with some friends after college. I did little things here and there. Um, but when I, I started taking writing seriously was I fell into <laughs> blogging about American Idol. Um, and I, uh, just on the Fox's website, like they started, they opened it up to anybody who wanted to start a blog. And I really took it very seriously and got pretty popular with it. You know, this is what, 2005. So kind of like blogs were on the rise and, um, somebody found me, found my writing and offered to pay me to do it the next season. So I, I parlayed that into like a several year gig of uh, writing about TV. And, uh, but I always wanted to write fiction too, but I, I hadn't been doing that until um, I had my son and we spent like the first year, uh, I didn't do anything. Like we watched a lot of TV. I was doing the blogging thing. And I just like one day woke up and I was like, I just, I need to write a novel. Um, And so I just started, I just jumped in and I bought this like, write a book in 30 days, like a, some kind of how-to book, just started writing it. And that book did become my first published book, although it took six years to get oh, to wow. actually from when I wrote the draft to uh, when it was published. <laughs> wow. Because it was a lot of writing and rewriting, a lot of rejection. Um but I really held in there with that. I was like, "We're get, I'm getting this book published somehow. It's going to happen." <laughs> how, how is it very difficult, or like, how do you deal with that when uh, somebody asks you to, "Hey, you got to rewrite this," like, and you got to, you know, make these edits to it? Is that very difficult to hear? That like kind of constrict criticism, uh, I guess. Uh, well, a it depends on where it's coming from. You know, it if it's like my agent or my editor, it's just, that's just the way it goes. They will always couch it with a, you just a small tweak. But every time they say it's just a small tweak, it is huge because like you change one thing and it's going to change, you know, the entire fabric of the book. So (laughs) there's no such thing as that. But I think I am very good at taking the criticism. Like it's, it's not personal to me. I, I want to write the best book that I can. So I welcome, you know, like whatever constructive criticism they have to give me. That first book, I we did huge. I think I had a new editor. She was she was pretty new and I was new. So we really did like several rounds of big picture edits on that one. Um, since then, I've gotten better at structuring the story. So it's not as it's not as big, but um yeah, I mean, it, it's just that is part of the job. You really have to check your ego at the door and and say, you know, we all want to make this the best product we can. So you and you can take it or leave it. You know, I've learned that too that you don't have to take every suggestion 
that's, mm-hmm. that's been a good lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how many books so far have you published? Um, I have seven out and then new ones out tomorrow. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be the eighth one. Wow. Okay. And they are all of this uh, particular genre, like teen uh, romance uh, type. Is that what you would call it? Um, Well, my first four books were teen. The the first one I wrote is not really a romance. It has romantic elements to it. But the publisher, um, Entangled, that's who I've written for for all of these books, um, they are very focused on romance, but they had, um, back in 2016, when that book was published, they were doing a lot of teen books with just romance elements. They didn't have to be like a genre romance, if that makes sense, because mm-hmm. there are very specific rules to genre romance. Um, after I wrote that one, I, uh, I pitched a series, another YA young adult series. Um, so that's three books. And then after that, I jumped and started writing about um, women in their 40s. So I went from teens to like near middle age. They call it the August line. Uh, so those that, that I did three books with the August line. And then this new one is actually, they made me age her down. So she's there. The protagonists are in their early 30s. Okay. Because apparently books for older people don't sell, which I take objection to but (laughs) they're the boss yeah (laughs) (laughs) i you know it's funny i did want to ask you about that you so you would say you are you're gen x i am uh yes i'm on the cusp i've we call her i i like generation catalano we're like (laughs) i'm the age where i was in high school when my so-called life came out so we were kind of like too young for Reality Bites life, um, but not not young not young enough to be a millennial. So yeah, okay, like right on the border. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be a millennial. No, no, no thank no. you. No. <laughs> hey, I take pride in my Gen X status. <laughs> I it's I'm a millennial, um, and I. Some of my favorite people are. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No. <laughs> I take. Um, I I tell people that I completely um, own it, and I take all the you know the bad and the um, lots of the negative things that people say about millennials, and I just yeah. I own it and I just accept it. And yeah. But are you a fan of the Goofy movie? Oh yeah, you- I remember that movie. Um, I really like it. Uh, the soundtrack to it too. Uh, with... That's that's what makes you a millennial. If you like the Goofy movie, <laughs> I feel like that is that's because two of uh, my husband's brothers or siblings, his sister and his brother, are like right in the millennial, like in the middle of the millennial curve, mm-hmm. and they love the Goofy movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I remember I did watch that movie a lot yeah. growing up. Yeah, that's um, funny. And then the two like really good songs. I think the guy's name is Tevin Campbell, uh, who did like, yeah, eye to eye. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There was the other one, um, eye to eye. And, uh, I think stand out was the other one. And lo and behold, I didn't realize that he's like an actual artist. Like he, yeah, he has music beyond the goofy movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
which I, I never realized until just growing up. Yeah. Um, that's good. I haven't thought about that movie in a while. So thanks <laughs> yeah, for my, my, I had never seen it because I'm a Gen Xer. I was too old for that. And then we watched it with my kids and my sister-in-law because she like loves it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cute. It is cute. It's yeah. It's it's a cool yeah. movie. I, I, no, I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, what you know? Speaking of that, what like what is your favorite movie? Oh my gosh. Well, we're big movie people. I I don't know if you know my mother. You don't know my mother in law, right? You've just your mom knows her. Just yeah, just my mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because so the um, the Hammerleys are big movie people, and my husband sees like everything, and I was, I you know, when we were dating and I felt like I needed to impress him, I would go to everything with him. <laughs> but I like grew up um, watching movies a lot too. Like that was, that was big in our family. Um, I love the movie Boogie Nights, which is kind of a random one, but I wrote a paper on it in college. And I think I always just have a, you know, soft spot for that movie. And, uh, but I love comedies so probably my favorites are Austin Powers, Tommy Boy. Um, I think Bridget Jones' Diary is one of the best rom-coms okay. out there. So yeah, I I tend toward comedies I, more than drama. But okay, nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know earlier you had mentioned the the screenwriting thing. Yeah, uh, would do you ever foresee yourself? you know, eight, eight books in now you know, transitioning into screenwriting, especially with now there's this huge strike and oh, yeah. maybe there might be, <laughs> maybe there might be opportunities there for, you know, new screenwriters. Yeah. who I haven't tried writing a screenplay in a while. I was actually just talking to a friend who's an actor. Um, I think he, it was at a wedding, so he might've been two or three sheets to the wind but he's like we need to work on something together (laughs) i was like sure 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 but i would i would love to do something like that we have a lot of um you know i was involved in the arts in college so was my husband and some of our friends have like continued on uh and our directors editors like they're they're working in the film industry um we actually produced a movie uh that one of our friends directed um so yeah, I would love to do something like that if if the opportunity presented itself. I haven't written anything. I, I have, you know, ideas, but um, it's sitting down and actually doing it. But, yeah. Is that, how different is that from writing a novel? Is that just two completely different skill sets? Uh, not that I wouldn't say they're different at all. I mean, um, a screenplay is very bare bones, you know, they, you want it to be 90 to 120 pages. You're really just kind of, it's mostly dialogue. And um, a novel, I mean, it's the same structure, really. But you're just kind of filling in the gaps with more, you know, internal emotion, description, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it's really not that different. And mm-hmm. I've actually used screenwriting as a tool when I'm working on a novel if I'm just trying to get through a scene, I'll just, you know, put it in uh, final draft or something and write, write it out just in dialogue, just to kind of know where I'm going. And then, you know, put that back into like the, the novel scene. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the, this, 
this production that you were involved in. I, that's super cool. Oh, I, well, I wasn't super involved in it. We we put some money up for it. Um, my husband actually he's a he's an attorney, and he did some legal work for them as well. Um, but it was actually very cool. Like they, uh, I I don't know how they ended up getting it made, but um, they raised enough money and they got like. Do you know the movie, the show Ally McBeal? Yes. Yeah. Um, Gil Bellows, who's like the main love interest in that. He's also in like um, the Green Mile. No, not the Green Mile. Um, Shawshank Redemption. He's oh, in that. Great so movie. he's in like a lot of different stuff. But they got him somehow to do it. And they filmed it like during the. Um, what's what was that called? Like the polar vortex when it was, you know, negative 20 degrees in chicago (laughs) they filmed it yeah and then they ended up selling it to like showtime or something so it was it actually did all right it was it was out and about and people saw it and we made our money back so that was cool (laughs) and they're working on something else now that i think uh that we're getting involved with that too so um, oh that's cool it's it's fun you know and you know they're all people that i enjoy working with too if if like something presented itself it'd be kind of fun to do something with them yeah that's wow that's yeah. really cool oh i want to produce a movie now <laughs> it is pretty it's pretty cool i mean like i really was just as a bystander um but watching watching it is yeah it, it's and the amount you have to like think about like you know what costs what and you know what can we like take out so that we can do this oh it's it's like a jigsaw puzzle Wow. So you're actually, it's, it's, it's almost like you're running like your own little business. Like, okay, this costs this much. So we can't do that. So we got to do this over here and then, you know, we can't shoot on this day and uh, such and such. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like a lot, like a lot of things that I wouldn't think about that go into a film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Wow. Um, going back to, to your books, the target, um, I, and I know you mentioned a little bit about, uh, like age groups, uh, of your books. Is this mostly, are you writing mostly for like for women or for men as well? How does that break down? Um, I don't. You know, I, I think that, like, we try to put those books in a box. Like, these are for men, these are for women. I know my first book, which um, it may be the only book that most of my friends read because it was the, f- the first one. <laughs> but um, I had so many of my male friends came up to me and were like, loved it. And um, and they would never have picked that book up if it wasn't my book. You know, so I... I take a little umbrage with like these are for men these are for women i'd hope that people would read widely because i'm a woman most of my protagonists tend to be although i really like my next book um it's a uh, dual point of view the the female and the male protagonists are both you know represented and i do like writing from a male point of view as well um i mean i you know stereotypically romance tends to be more for like or more women read it but I would hope that there's something, you know, for everybody in that. Yeah. yeah. I know that's a hybrid because a lot of people do come to it thinking like, 
you know, with, with expectations or, you know, negative connotations about it. But I did too, because I fell into writing romance. It was not, not my first choice. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've kind of, I've had a sort of um, overcome my feelings about how like predictable it is. And it's like, that's what people actually want. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I remember as a kid, my mom would read like romance, what I think was romance, because I would take a look at her stack of books and some of the covers of these books, you could, I'm just assuming they were romance because it was like a guy without a shirt, without a shirt on. There's (laughs) like a castle in the background and he's got long hair and I'm just like, what's mom reading over here? Like the, I remember being as a kid, like going to the grocery store with my mom and they'd have the, she don't have it anymore, but they'd have the, you know, um, mass market paperbacks out there. And I don't think, I mean, she would never let me get like one of those, but I was getting like the Danielle Steele books. Those had a classy cover. Nobody knew what it was, but yeah, like it's good escapist fun. I think, you know, really Mm -hmm. I've had to, it's, it's hard to lean into that. You know, they want the, the readers want exactly what they expect. You know, if you veer too, too far away, like I've, I've, getting some criticism on i've seen a couple of reviews of my new book and it's marketed as a rom-com the cover is very rom-commy it's you know bright and colorful the main character is wearing beaver slippers on the front of it and then people are like well this is a lot more serious than i thought it was i was like sorry (laughs) you know sorry yes we just got through a pandemic and you know Mm -hmm. life is hard so yeah it's a little serious And, you know, if I think about some, like some romantic comedies, I feel like there's always, there's a little bit of seriousness. If I'm thinking about like rom-com movies, there's like a, there's always like a little seriousness aspect to them. I'm like, I'm trying to think of a good example, um, like from recently, um, maybe like, uh, some of those Judd Apatow movies, like, Oh, those definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're uh, they're they're dealing with stuff. They're, but they're dealing with, you know, big, like I like this is forty, you know, getting older. What does that mean? Yeah. And knocked up, obviously. Like, how do you navigate a relationship with somebody you don't know that now you're having a baby? <laughs> like, yeah. So there, I I think you know you kind of do have to expect that a little bit. I, I don't know if the cover is just misleading people. That could be where, <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, it's about there's some death. And so, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but yeah. How, do those covers, like, do you make those covers or is there like another artist that you work with? I don't know. It's my publisher. So oh, okay. they just send me what they, and actually they, <laughs> this one, uh, I liked right away. Like they, they sent it to me and I, I really thought it was cute. Um, there've been others in the past that I've gotten and like, we've had to, you know, we've had notes on it, but um, yeah, they—they're the ones that handle the whole, the whole cover thing. Okay. Yeah. So, and are there times where they'll send you something, and like you can just send it back and say, "No thanks, let's go with something else." 
Yeah, because there in my last book, um, which the cover ended up, I love it. It's it's raining men, um, but the first one they sent me, it was like they were these little, um, it, like you know the male symbol like on the bathroom, like yeah. They, but like falling from the sky or like in the background. And I looked at it and I told my agent, cause I always like go through her first, like, you know, what do you think? Cause she's a little more, you know, better marketing minded than I am. And I was like, the first thing I thought of was like the nine 11 shots of people like falling <laughs> from the building. And I, so we told them that they're like, Oh, we don't want that. I was like, no, no, we don't want that. Let's uh, let's go back to the drawing board on that one. So that one they did fix, but there was one of my books that uh, I did come back with. Like, I don't like the cover. I didn't like they, this. It was one of my YA books that they used um, like stock models or something like, you know, so it's a photograph, but they're and I didn't think they looked like the main characters at all. I just I didn't never like that cover. But that one they they kept. They didn't they didn't listen to me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually they've been good though. I would say like mm -hmm. that was, I think it was really that only that one cover that I really didn't like. So do you think, and I, I know that as the saying goes, you, you never want to judge a book by its cover. Um, <laughs> but do you, is it really important to have something that kind of stands out, captures what, you know, the book maybe might be about and like, you know, catches somebody eye, somebody's eye. I think, Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, because as a reader, if I'm going to like Barnes and Noble or something, just walking around, that is going to catch catch my eyes. Like, um, if it's if it's a cover that, and I I like the more graphic stuff. If it's if it's something like that, I'm going to look at it. Everybody likes different things, so you don't you don't know you know some cover that I might hate. Other people like I don't you know I don't know, but it, I think it is important, and I'd say that probably like my best selling books had both really like good covers and catchy titles, mm. you know? So. Yeah. 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 Uh, earlier uh, when you had mentioned it, like, like some of the romance books my mom would read, like Dan, uh, Danielle Steele, was it? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds so familiar. I guarantee you my mom uh, has, <laughs> has read those books um from from those books to like today's romance novels have they changed at all like as far as what what you write about um has that genre like evolved over the years oh absolutely i mean even in the time that i've been writing i you know um my first book was published in 2016 then we did go through like the me too period that's changed a lot of the rules in romance. And, and I think for me as a reader too, I've had to like judge competitions and stuff and, and read some manuscripts. And if it has like, you know, an old, like a power dynamic, that's icky. Like I had to read one that was about a coach that was pursuing one of his like college players, like a tennis player. And I was like, this is, it's wow. it's icky you know it's we i think our yeah. our perspective perspectives on like what's okay and what's not has changed and also there's a lot more diversity in romance now which is really great because that's that's something that was very lacking 
And now you're getting a lot more diverse stories, like whether it's, you know, ethnically diverse, um, different, um, you know, city cities versus country set. There's like more, there's a lot of different variety now, which is, it really made the genre more robust and interesting, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Do you think even to like stuff in society today that wasn't around 30 years ago, like for example, like online dating, you know, is a mm-hmm. huge thing now. Yeah. And does that kind of affect uh, the the romance genre or like how people write? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you have to evolve with it. I I do remember like my my first book, which I is um kind of very like it was initially a very veiled um recap of like my freshman year of college. <laughs> It's completely changed, very different. But I was super against, like, using cell phones in it. I kind of wanted to set it back, like, in the 90s. I felt, in you know, in my head that was easier in some ways. And they, you know, every like, they fought against that, rightly, you know, because, like, that's, it's our reality now. Like, if I'm writing historical fiction... I can go back there and, you know, in the days where you didn't have a cell phone, but now it's like, it's just what it is. I think it was harder then because like, it was hard for me to put myself in that position of like, what, what's it like to be a high schooler with a cell phone? But now since we've, we've all been living with them for so long, it's, you know, that makes a lot more sense. It's a little easier to like imagine, but yeah. yeah oh, you really do have to adapt with like whatever is happening, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I'm trying to think of other examples, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Well, you know, another example that comes to mind is just like social media too. Yes. Yeah. Cause that wasn't around. (laughs) I'm reading a book right now, um, which is using Twitter. I think this book came out in like, I want to say 2018. So it's like a couple years old, but she's using Twitter at the, at the beginning of every single chapter, but it's kind of like, it's about the art world. And, and these people are really angry about this kind of art, no artists from the middle of nowhere. It's, it's very bizarre. And there's like no one on Twitter would be talking about this. So you do have to kind of be careful. Like if you're not, if you're personally not on Twitter or using TikTok, or you have to be very careful about, putting that into the book in a way that feels authentic. Like every time I see this at the beginning of the chapter, I'm just like, ma'am, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, have you ever been on Twitter? Do you know what, do you know what it's like? Um, yeah. So you, I, like, I don't use TikTok. So I'd have to, if I wanted to do something like, I'd really have to research that and, and kind of figure out like how, how to use it in, in a couple of my books, actually, like my, one uh any any boy but you is what it's called they so, sort of fall for each other while playing a an online game that's kind of reminiscent of pokemon go <laughs> that's when this book came out but it's not pokemon go like i made you know i made up my own thing so that it wouldn't be kind of judged you know like yeah. like people that really really know pokemon go would probably get upset 
because it's not <laughs> like that. But, you know, so you, you uh, I, I find that's actually a better way to handle it is just make up your own thing. That's kind of like Instagram or whatever. Mm -hmm. But we're all doing this in this world of the book, you know? Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Instead yeah. of kind of just inserting something that you know, is already here in, in society. Like, like you said, Twitter, maybe it feels like more forced. Maybe if oh, we're just, yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny you mentioned TikTok cause I feel like now things have started to surpass me. Like, and yes. I think TikTok's the start <laughs> of that. I'm not on TikTok either, but yeah. I, I know that a lot of people use it. Yeah. And it's very popular. Um, but now I see that, I mean, there's YouTube does something that's like TikTok with the shorts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, I feel like I got surpassed. Maybe now I've gotten a little too old and I can't keep up now. <laughs> well, it's, it's very funny to me to think about, like I started on Twitter pretty early on, like it really, you know, when Twitter started, I was on there. I was one of the cool young people on Twitter <laughs> And how quickly you go from being a cool young person to a lame older person. <laughs> and it's very quick. And, you know, you see people on like, I, I just think like, I look at the the younger, you know, 20 somethings now. I'm like, just, just wait, you know how fast you're going to be 40. It's real, real quick. <laughs> and I think with social media, we see it. You could really see it. Like how quickly we're all getting older. <laughs> I feel like that happened with Facebook, and I think there was oh, a stereotype, yeah. yeah, with with Facebook, where oh, Facebook's like where my parents are on. I'm yeah. on Instagram or Snapchat yes. now, and but even those, I mean, I, I remember hearing a statistic. It was a couple years ago that the fastest growing demographic on uh, joining Instagram was like forty, uh, aged forty to fifty um females wow. women yeah uh and now sure facebook was like the stereotypical thing for uh, older people yeah. but you know everybody's just going to other platforms now yeah and it's so daunting to me to even think about starting somewhere new i i accidentally logged out of twitter <laughs> like a couple months ago and then i don't know what was going on over there i I put in the right password. It was trying to get me to like two-step verify, but the button wasn't working. And I was like, I'm just done. I'm just <laughs> done with Twitter. So I have not been on it oh, since wow. like January. I've so, I mean, like, don't miss it at all. And I, I know a lot of people have like left and gone to Mastodon and like, I'm like I just don't have the energy for this. You but, can find me on Instagram and that's maybe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you find uh, for what you do, do um, do those social media sites or like Instagram right now, does it help with, you know, pushing your book out there and like promoting it? Yes and no. I think um, what one thing I've learned and, and not a lot of people talk about is that I can only do so much. I mean, if I wanted to spend a ton of money trying to promote the book in ads or whatever, I could do that. I don't want to do that. Like my publisher should do that. They, and so it's really them. Like they need to be the ones promoting it. They have the reach 
they have the funds, you know, um, I, if people, and I, if self-published authors, obviously they have to do it themselves, but with social media nowadays, I mean, you just don't have the reach. Like nobody does, unless you have, you know, a couple million followers or something like that. You're just, it's not going to make a dent. So I think what's, what everybody's kind of going back to now is actually newsletters because you own those email addresses. Mm -hmm. So trying to curate that and, um, I feel like that's a little bit better response, but yeah, I, see I just, I more do Instagram just to be social, like, mm -hmm. and I'm really bad at, I don't do it that often. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it might get people a little bit aware of it, but it's not going to help move the needle really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I look at some of these, uh, now the term is influencer yes. and they, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm impressed at, how many, how many followers some, some people have on Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. Um, and they, like what you said, if they, if somebody comes to them with a certain, oh, I don't know, like, uh, some sort of product and to, to you, to borrow a phrase that you used, yeah, that definitely could move a needle like yes. pretty substantially. Um, but me, like my presence on Twitter I, I barely have any, so no. <laughs> don't come to me for <laughs> any product placement, uh, yet maybe someday, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was talking to a friend recently who was huge on Facebook, like 10 years ago, she had, um, you know, one of the, those groups, she, um, like a, a, it was a mom's group kind of thing, but she had like tens of thousands of followers maybe more than that. I was, it was a lot. She actually got a book deal from her Facebook um, group, but she doesn't do it anymore. And I was like, there, I, I can think of so many people like back in the early days of blogging, Twitter, like all that stuff, people who were very, very present back then who had a big reach and they're just burnt out on it. I mean, you, I think at some point you just, I, I feel, I feel that way. Cause I was, I did a lot of blogging. I was doing that for like 10 years. <laughs> I just was like, it's, uh, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. So I think about those influencers now. It's like you have this thing and the YouTubers and everything. Like how long can you sustain that without like going crazy? <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. <sighs> that's a good point. That... Yeah. It doesn't last long. It is not, it is not a good uh, job for longevity just because you're, you can't sustain that forever. You just, you as a person cannot sustain that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And yeah. the way it, it seems like life is, I don't know if you feel like this too, life has gotten like faster, like with mm -hmm. technology too, and things change on a dime, like on a whim, yeah. like we're all, you know, at, at one point it was MySpace was like the thing. And oh, now yeah. look at what we have now. It's in just a short amount of time and, yeah, it yeah. it gets difficult to adapt and keep up and yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that. And the things that you did initially that worked because, you know, these social media companies, it's within their um their best interest to keep changing and doing things. So like whatever worked for you five, ten years ago suddenly doesn't work anymore. You know, what I, I had a, a blog on a large platform here in Chicago that was part of the Chicago Tribune, they would promote 
our blog, like I would write about TV and stuff and we'd get on like the homepage of the Tribune website. Like it was, it was a really good platform. Um, would do like radio interviews, like all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden they stopped posting our posts anywhere mm. and like nobody was seeing it, you know, so you, you can do everything and then somebody changes some algorithm or they just change the way they do business. And you're like, okay, yeah. well now what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, that well, algorithm is very, uh, it's strong. It like, oh, it yeah. works. Um, it definitely it, it works too well. I'm yeah. like, I just thought about a pair of shoes the other day and it popped up an Instagram. I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> yeah. I have, I've had that happen too. Oh yeah. Like, like well, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no clue how they know. Um, it's very eerie. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one last, one last question or just a yeah. couple last questions, Julie. Um, your 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 book that's coming out tomorrow yes. uh playing for keeps yes um just really quick what's like like a short synopsis of what that book is about okay um it is about um a woman named bryce she uh has just blown up her career and moves out to the country to just she wants to get out of like get away from life uh, and she ends up meeting this guy, Jake, who's also in town. He wants to get out of there, too. They're both kind of like at a crossroads in their life. Um, and they end up having a fake pretend relationship because she wants to impress her ex-husband. Um, this is a terrible elevator pitch for <laughs> But the meet cute, I, which I think is uh, a good hook, is um, he is a security guard in the resort where she lives. And he's called to come investigate a vagrant who is like sitting outside the ice cream parlor and it's her. So that's how they, how they meet. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And this, this particular book, um, how long, like when did you start writing it and how, how long did it take you to finish? Uh, this one, I, I, and this may be why it's a little moody, I think is I wrote it in the summer of 2021, like, just what you know we had so much hope and that it was like dashed when delta came back. Oh, so i think yeah, i was yeah. like just kind of in a in a mood i don't know so it is a little bit like darker in some ways and uh but yeah so that's i it usually takes me like a month or so to actually write the book but then it's been you know in the editing process and uh, honestly um was with my editor for like a very long time before she got it back to me so it's i wrote it in 2021 but did like most of the editing the tail end of 2022 probably so oh okay yeah now for future plans like a after yeah. this uh, book comes out uh do you do you have some ideas on what you want to do next i have a a book that's about to go out on submission so fingers crossed we're gonna put pitch that widely it's um i'm trying to get away from like the straight up romance so it's more like women's fiction um and this one i actually one thing i uh my day job or like a part-time job i have is working um 
I do the like edit the bulletin at the church where my kid my kids go to Catholic school. So I edit the bulletin there. So there's actually like it's kind of set in a parish, which is interesting, different for me. But mm-hmm. um, so that's actually going to go out in sub soon. It's hopefully a series, and we'll see what happens. But oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah I, I hope it yeah I hope it um, turns into something very fruitful. <laughs> yeah, who knows? It'd be great. But I this was this playing for keeps is the last one on my contract with Entangled, so we'll see what happens next. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. Kind of exciting to have like, you know, it's a little more wide open. We'll see what what happens next. But yeah. One, one last question: What for aspiring writers? Do you get asked like, "Hey, what's some good advice?" or like, "What's what's like the best advice you would get give to some someone who's aspiring to be a writer?" Uh, just write. I mean, honestly, like the only thing you can control in the whole process of publishing is your product. So f- keep your head down and focus on that. Write the best book that you can, um, and also read. You know, read widely. Don't just, if you write only, if you write romance or action or fantasy or whatever, read outside of those genres too. Like, don't get stuck reading the same thing all the time. Like, and I can't, like, I, I, I'm i like a magpie. I need to read all kinds of different stuff. So I'd say definitely, you know, read and write. Those are the the two main things you need to do. To, awesome. uh Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good advice. Um, Julie Hammerly. Thank you very much Thanks, for doing Chris. this. Um, this was really fun, and it flowed so nicely; like it went by so fast too. Um, re- oh, one one last thing: if yeah. if people want to get in contact with you, I know you mentioned your Instagram, um, yeah. y- uh, your website as well. Is that a good place to find your yeah. books? Uh, yeah. So I, my website's just Julie Hammerly, H A M M E R L E dot com. Um, I'm on Instagram at Julie Hammerly author. I'm not on Twitter anymore. So don't even look there. Um, yeah, the, but Instagram is probably the best place to, you know, to find me at this point. Yeah. Or my website, all of my contact stuff is on the website. So Very cool. And I will, I'll include links to like your Instagram and your website in the description of the episode as well. Um, yeah, no, thanks again. Uh, this was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, no, thank you so much. Yeah. And thank you for sending me that, um, uh, your book too. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, it, it's a fun read. It, it's oh, very, thanks. yeah. I, I <laughs> well, like, I noticed that like, I looked, looked into your back episodes and I was like, oh my goodness, it's the Armenian genocide. This is very different. This is a very different vibe than I think what you usually talk about. So <laughs> <laughs> I did, that was, a. I remember that lady. Yeah, she was really cool. Um, That's awesome. I've even, I'm starting to branch out too. I just interviewed a, a funny, because we were just talking about it, a, a YouTube blogger. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed a, a professor too. Um, I interviewed a guy who does uh, Lincoln portrayals. And he, oh, cool. lo- he looks just like Abraham Lincoln too. He's from <laughs> Chicago. Um, oh, awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm branching out. I'm trying to, you know, anybody who's really cool, interesting, like I definitely, I love to talk to them. So, and this was, I mean, this was awesome conversation. Yeah. I'm glad, glad we made it work. And yeah. um, 
I like I said, I'll include links to uh, your your site, Instagram in the description. And thank you very much again, Julie. Thank you so much. Uh, for everybody out there, my name is Chris. This has been Cheat Tash. Take care, everybody. <laughs>